Hello, I'm Clive Nash. Welcome to Let God Speak. Here on Let God Speak, we've been on a journey through the Bible book of Genesis. Today, we close this insightful series. We've learned about the creator of this world and the universe. We've learned of the origin of sin and death. We've also seen the first promise of a saviour, namely Jesus Christ. We've learned from the lives of patriarchs before and after the universal flood. Today, we look at the closing chapters in the book of Genesis. What will we discover? Let's find out. Well, on our panel today, we have Erika Pooney and Gail Fong. It's good to have you with us today, uh, Erika and Thank Gail. You. I've been looking forward to our discussion. But before we begin, let's take time to ask for the Lord's blessing. Our wonderful Father in heaven, we just want to praise you that you have given us the Bible as our guidebook for life. And as we bring our study of the book of Genesis to a close today, we pray that you will guide us in all that we say and, and even in our thoughts and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in this series uh, on the book of Genesis, we've, as I said in the introduction, we've looked at uh, the creation of the world, the origin of sin and evil and death in our universe, God's answer to that question, that problem. Um, but we've also seen you know, a number of stories of, of tragedy and heartache, haven't we, in the book of Genesis. And, but Erika, what would you say is the underlying theme of, of the book of Genesis from your point of view? Clive, I think for me, it's about a, a God who's in control, uh, a God who intervenes even in difficult situations. Let me read to you uh, from Genesis chapter 50, verse 20 and 21 to illustrate the point. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children and reassure them and spoke kindly uh, to them. It's a beautiful uh, assurance, uh, not only of the fact that something good can come out of evil when God is in control, but even the implications, uh, your children, your people, I think that includes all of us, people of the world. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Gail, we're trying to, to learn lessons from the, the last five chapters of the book of Genesis today. Um, and we'll find that, you know, Jacob goes down to Egypt where he will die. But does this mean that the promise of inheriting the, the promised land was going to be nullified? That's a good question. Uh, if we go to Genesis um, chapter 50 and verse 24, just reading there in the Bible, it says, And Joseph said to his brethren, I am dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land of which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. So 
Um, obviously, Joseph, he believed the covenant promise, the promise that was made to his forefathers. And um, he clung to that in faith. And the Bible is just filled with promises and also with prophecies. And perhaps uh, Paul puts it very nicely if we were to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 19 and 20. And um, Paul writes there, And I'll just read to you. It says, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, uh, Sylvanius and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. So we truly can trust in the promises of God. And mm. Joseph is a wonderful example Beautiful promises, of trusting God's promises. Yeah. Yes. If we go back, uh, coming back to Genesis again, and this time I'd like to go back to chapter 46. Um, and Jacob has, has learnt the good news that uh, Joseph is alive. There's food for the family in Egypt. Uh, let me read verse one of chapter 46. Genesis 46, verse one. So Israel, and that's the alternate name for Jacob. Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Isaac. So uh, here he arrives in Beersheba. You may have been to Beersheba. I have. It's a pretty desert sort of place. Mm. Uh, We have a saying about Israel being from Dan to Beersheba, Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south. So here he's down in southern Israel and but doesn't it seem, Erika, like the, the promises of inheriting the promised land, instead of being in the promised land, he's going away from it. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the promises seem to be unraveling, don't they? It, it, it appears that way, at least uh, on, on the surface. Uh, again, I want to go back to a previous comment I made, but God is in control. And, and let, me, let me give you a, an insight into uh, what is taking place here, looking at verse 2 to verse 4 of Genesis 46. And God spoke to Israel in a vision at night and said, Jacob, Jacob, here I am, he replied. I am God, the God of your father, he said. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there. I will go down to Egypt with you and I will surely bring you back again. And Joseph's own hand will close your eyes. Yes, there may be a a time of waiting, so to speak, mm-hmm. and, and we see this. Yeah, we see this also in the uh, in other parts of, of the Bible. You know, when when will this take place? But God God comes through, mm. and that's that's a great assurance uh, to us, mm. even today in our situation. Mm. There's an interesting comment in verse seven in chapter forty six where it says that his sons and his sons' sons, his daughters and his sons' daughters, and all his descendants he brought with him to Egypt. And then if we go down to the last verse, uh, not the last verse, but the verse 27, and the second half of the verse, it says, all the persons of the house of Jacob who went to Egypt, and it gives the number here, it says there were 70. Um, what's the significance of the number 70, Eureka? It's an interesting observation. Uh, what we know uh, from the Bible is that the number seven and multiples of seven represents perfection, wholeness, uh, complete. 
I mean, if we go to the beginning of Scripture, uh, to the Genesis story, uh, and then we move through, uh, for example, we will find these numbers coming up uh, often. Genesis 10, 70 nations. Uh, Moses appointed 70 elders. Um, there's uh, 70 years of captivity. All of this, I think, play to this idea. Uh, it's something that is complete and, and, and wholesome. And God is part of that mix, uh, Clive. Mm-hmm. Amen. Okay. Um, now, I'm going to take us just away from Genesis, just for a moment, to uh, the book of Deuteronomy, and chapter 17 and verse 16. Deuteronomy 17 and verse 16 says, But he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. For the Lord has said to you, You shall not return to Egypt. Now, why is Jacob being told to go to Egypt when later on his, you know, the Israelites are told not to go there, Yael? It does sound confusing, doesn't it? <laughs> but um, God does not make mistakes. And as we read earlier in um, Genesis 46 to God specifically told um, Jacob to go. But um, after God had made a great nation of Israel, that they would return. And um, we have a quote that's coming on the screen from Gordon Wenham, and he says about Genesis uh, 43 to 45, Theologically, it is the most important, for it brought Israel out of Canaan, the land of promise, to Egypt, the land of slavery from which they must eventually escape. I will surely bring you up again in Genesis 46 verse 4. So in context, this last remark is particularly important in emphasizing that the family's sojourn in Egypt will only be temporary. Canaan is their ultimate goal. Mm. And of course, we must remember that um, we have an ultimate goal too, and that will be the heavenly Canaan. Mm. Mm. Yeah, Erika, I want to turn to the next chapter of Genesis, chapter 47 and verse 2. It says here uh, that he took five men from among his brothers and presented them to Pharaoh. Talking of Joseph here. Mm. And and what happened after that? Well, uh, uh, there is this question relating to their occupation. And in that context, there is reference uh, to them being immigrants. And and, uh, this is played through uh, this particular part of of, of the story. Uh, I find that significant, uh, at least in our context today, that there was a sense even then uh, to be be mindful, uh, to be thinking of the needs of other people, foreigners and immigrants in the land. Mm. It's an important uh, message. Mm. Yeah, and uh, of course they were to, to care for the stranger within the yes. gates and all that sort of thing, weren't they? Um, and Gail, what do you find interesting about the, the actual encounter when Jacob comes before Pharaoh? <laughs> well, 
It's interesting that when Jacob does come before Pharaoh, that he offers him the best land in the land of Egypt. He offers him the land of Goshen. And um, this land was uh, excellent for agriculture and for pastoral flocks. So um, as it says in uh, Genesis chapter 47 and verse 7, just reading there, Then Joseph brought in his father Jacob and set him before Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. So we do find here also, um, and there's going to be a little quote that comes on the screen, but Jacob as an ambassador for the king of glory, he he blesses Pharaoh. And uh, you'll notice this Bible commentary quote um, says, um, Conscious of his own dignity as a prophet of Jehovah, Jacob pronounces upon him, that is Pharaoh, a heavenly benediction. So it would appear that the the wise um, judgment of Joseph, how he has interpreted the dreams, how he has led in the preservation of Egypt throughout the time, through, through the time of drought that was continuing, that this has made an indelible impression upon Pharaoh. And so with Joseph's character and with the age of his father, which is, uh, I think was 130, um, that he shows great respect for Jacob, his father. And just reading on there in Genesis 47, verses 8 through to 10, Uh, The Bible says, Pharaoh said to Jacob, how old are you? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, the days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. It's a great age. Um, Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life, and they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. So Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from before Pharaoh. It's interesting, I'd just like to comment and add just one more little thing there is that in in them as shepherds uh, and Jacob, Joseph's brothers and siblings, etc., as they were shepherds and as they go into the land of Goshen, it would enable them to live a little separately from the Egyptians who worshipped differently. They didn't worship the God of heaven. Mm. So they were drawing, as a, I think the word Goshen means draw nearer or draw well, certainly it was down near the Delta country of yes. the Nile. Yes. So, um, Quite fertile area. Drawing out, mm. but drawing closer to God and separate from the Egyptians. Yeah, if we go down to towards the end of the chapter, thanks, Gail. Uh, down in verse 29 of chapter 47, it says, When the time drew near that Israel, or Jacob, must die, he called his son Joseph and said to him, Now, if I have found favour in your sight, please put your hand under my thigh and deal kindly and truly with me. Please do not bury me in Egypt. And then uh, in verse 30, but let me lie with my fathers. You carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burial place. And uh, Joseph said, I will do as you have said. Um, So, Erika, the next important event in the uh, narrative is the death of Jacob, and and what promise does Jacob go back to? Yeah, yeah. There's definitely uh, uh, a, a reference to an earlier promise, um, 
where 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 not only God will be uh, blessing uh, his descendants, but um, he will increase his number. I'm thinking here of Genesis chapter 48, verse 3 and 4. Let me read. Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at loose in the land of Canaan. And there he blessed me and said to me, I'm going to make you fruitful and will increase your numbers. I will make you a community of peoples and I will give this land as an everlasting possession of your descendants after you. It's, it's uh, perhaps not only a looking back, but a, a looking into the future that uh, there is something better um, that God is, is preparing. Uh, in this case, descendants of uh, Jacob. Mm. Now, and later in the chapter, um, Jacob blesses Joseph's two sons, uh, which I find interesting. Why did he bless these sons go and not the other grandsons? Well, there's no record of the other grandsons being blessed, shall we say. <laughs> That's a good question. To answer that question, I'd like to um, quote a scholar of the past, Arthur W. Spaulding, and he writes, and this quote will come on the screen, because Reuben, the firstborn, or the firstborn of Jacob, that is, failed, this birthright was divided among his brethren. To Judah fell the chieftainship, to Levi was given the priesthood, to Joseph the double portion. So it came about that Jacob adopted Joseph's two sons as his own, inducting them into the nation as tribes equal to the older, his own sons. Hmm. And in blessing Joseph's sons, something interesting happened. If we go to chapter 48, verses 17 and 18, I'll just share those with you. Now, when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand, on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. So he took hold of his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, not so my father, for this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. <laughs> is, uh, is something like history repeating itself here, Erika? Um, the younger being preferred over the older? Mm. It's, it's an interesting part of the, of the story, but there's a sense that this is a throwback to what was done prior uh, by, by Isaac, of course, to, uh, to his two sons. Um, sometimes it seems to me uh, that there is a bigger force uh, at a play. And by that I mean there's a sovereign God uh, that knows into the future mm. And uh, somehow, uh, Jacob, by the will of God, seemed to express that reality. Uh, but let me read to you uh, the, what the scripture tells us, uh, verse 19 uh, and 20. By his father, but his father refused and said, I know my son, I know he too will become a people and he too will become great. Nevertheless, his younger brother would be greater than he, and his descendants would become a group of nations. He blessed him that day. In your name will Israel pronounce this blessing. May God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. Interesting blessing. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and it's interesting too that it's not necessarily age uh, that qualifies mm. a person, isn't it? You know, for service for the Lord. 
Uh, you may not be the oldest in your family. You may not be. You may be the youngest, but you know it's not the age. Yes. Yeah. It's the the qualities of the person, their response to God's calling, and so on. Um, and you know, King David, he wasn't the oldest, was he? No. His family, it, all the other brothers, were passed yeah. over in anointing him as the future king. Um, I'm going to look at chapter 48 and verse 22, the last verse of chapter 48 now. Moreover, I have given to you one portion above your brothers. Um, this is uh, Jacob speaking, which I took from the hand of the Amorite with my sword and my bow. So what, what is Jacob thinking, uh, thinking about here, Gail, in making, saying this? Mm. Um, yes, well, he's thinking of Shechem. Um, and to quote uh, Jacques Ducan, uh, says Shechem, which was not uh, which not only is a piece of land that he had acquired, but also is a place where Joseph's bones will be buried. Um, brackets Joshua twenty four thirty two, and where the land will be distributed to the tribes of Israel. Uh, that's uh, Joshua twenty, quoting Joshua twenty four verse one. So Jacob never forgot the promise of God, and all the promises of God, and we should never forget His promises either, mm. because um, God is faithful God. He's trustworthy in all His promises, as we read earlier. Yes and Amen in mm. Christ Jesus. So. He's a God who keeps his promises and they were truly living by faith in the word of God. Mm. Well, we're nearing the end of the, the book of Genesis and in chapter 49, verse 1, uh, Jacob called his sons and said, gather together that I may tell you what shall be for you in these last days. Um, so here's Jacob. We're not going to go into all the detail of these, the blessings of chapter 49, but what is significant about this first verse of the chapter, Erika. The, the, the farewell and, and the blessings of uh, Jacob's sons, and in this particular case, verse 1, would give us some indication of a blessing in the future. Call it a messianic uh, fulfillment of something greater. Uh, and uh, I think this is a reference, uh, no doubt, to... Uh, the first advent uh, and, and the coming uh, of uh, Jesus. For example, uh, in verse 10 of the same chapter, chapter 49, the scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between uh, his feet. Again, this is a God who can see into the future and has something greater uh, offering us his people. Mm. There, there's a good comment uh, in the, the book Patriarchs and Prophets. It says, the, the lion, the, the king of the forest, is a fitting symbol uh, of the, this tribe from which David and the son of Shiloh, uh, David Shiloh, the, uh, the true lion of the tribe of Judah, to whom all powers will finally bow and all nations render homage. Well, rather than this time of future homage, uh, Gail, should we be actually doing that now, paying homage to God now? 
I do believe so. And just quoting from Paul in um, the book of Philippians, Philippians uh, chapter 2 and verse 10. It's a beautiful Bible verse there that says, At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those those, uh, on earth and of those under the earth. So um, every knee will bow to Jesus eventually. But um, we also notice in Philippians 2 and verse 5, the scripture says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So uh, this mindset now is very important because it's a relationship Mm -hmm. that we have. And yes, at some time future, we will be able to all bow in his presence when Christ comes to reign. But now we can worship him mm. with all our heart. Yes. So, so the, if I understand you correctly, well, the, the future um, act of homage and bowing is really, um, it's pre, it, the precursor to that is our, our recognition of the Lord now, mm. isn't it? Amen. Yeah, that he's the Lord of our lives, and in a sense, you know, our hearts bow to him yes. even now, don't they? Yes. Um, well, sensing uh, that uh, Jacob was about to die, um, he gave instructions to, about his burial back in Canaan in the cave of the field of Machpelah. And in verse 33 of chapter 49, I read, And when Jacob had finished commanding his sons, he drew his feet up into the bed, and breathed his last and was gathered to his people. What impact did this have on, on uh, Joseph, Erika? How did he respond? Yeah, the, 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 the Bible tells us, uh, and I'm reading Genesis 50 verse uh, 1, Joseph threw himself upon his father and wept over him and, and kissed him. Um, it's... It's uh, very uh, nice to be able to see those human emotions being expressed at times of grief uh, and suffering. Uh, We also see something very interesting here, and that is the practice of embalming. Uh, We also see the reference to 70 days, the number that we've talked uh, about. And I'm wondering if we can go to our our, our viewers and and, uh, show a couple of pictures uh, that may just help them understand uh, some of the, the things that took place at this time. So we're looking at uh, coffins. By the way, this, this uh, stuff that I found at the Alternative Museum in, in Berlin. Uh, the, the other picture that you can see here is a death mask for a, um, a slave girl. But imagine this was the father of the prime minister. It must be uh, quite something else. Um, but that's what we see here in this part of the story. Mm. And uh, the embalming process was not a slow one, was it? <laughs> it, it took a long time. It took quite a long time, yes. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing that follows all of this is when Jacob dies, uh, to 50, chapter 50, verse 15, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which he did to him. Uh, isn't it strange that after all those years... Mm that they should still think that Joseph, when there was no restraint on him, would actually go back and seek revenge you know, for what they had done to him. But I like what Joseph said in verse 20. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good 
in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Mm. Amen. Well, thank you, Erika and Gail. It's good to have you on our panel today. And uh, you know, the book of Revelation assures us in chapter 21 that there is a better Jerusalem mm. in a better promised land. It is the new Jerusalem, which as the old song says, is the holy city that will not pass away. We live knowing that we will die, but death need not be the end for you and me. The Saviour, who was promised near the, the start of Genesis, is the Shiloh promised near its close. He can be your Saviour too, and your coming King. Well, we're glad you joined us today on Let God Speak. Remember, all past programs plus teacher's notes are available on our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au. Email us if you wish on lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au. Join us again next time. God bless. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.